1: Jokic behind his back. What it tastes like, Jokic? That's
0: <laughs> your sitter? Wow. Uh, as long as they're fans, as long as the point, that's all I care about. So the Warrior fans can coming here. The Celtics fans can coming here. The Lakers fans are coming here. Are coming here. But take that L on the way out. Jokic. Here's to the Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to the Pickaxe Pundit Show. I'm your host, Zach Mikosh with DenverStiffs.com. You are listening to the Denver Stiffs podcast channel on the SB Nation Podcast Network. It is Tuesday morning here in Denver, and we are celebrating, uh, at least right now as when we're recording this intro, celebrating another Nuggets win. They go 3-0. On the homestand, to break it down, I have none other than Chief Moderator Mark Grimaldi. Mark, what's happening?
1: How's it going, Zach? Thanks for having me. Uh, these last two games have taken at least a year each off of my life. <laughs> exactly. At least a year, man. I,
0: this game might have been like five years in <laughs> yeah. itself, this game against the uh, the Pacers here. Wow, that one was... Uh, um... a. <laughs> But it was like, man, talk about a roller coaster that Pacers game. First they were way down, then they were back up, then they were, and then all of a sudden they was down to the wire. Then Jokic gets ejected. <sighs> I, uh, I'm with you, I'm with you. I'd like, I'd like to get back to some nice, you know, 20 points, uh, blowout wins it's like they had in Minnesota at the beginning of that home stand. Uh, you know, let let their star player have have his, but win by 20 20 or so points. That's. It's much more preferable to me. Somehow that
1: game feels a long time ago already. It
0: does. That's why we're not even really going to talk about it. Like, that's it. That's all we're touching on the Minnesota game because it feels like it was forever ago uh, when really it was just a week ago. But uh, what what we should talk about, which feels, I think, really fresh in my mind right now, certainly since we're recording this right after the game uh, against the Pacers, the, the Nicole Jokic, he gets ejected, like I said, right there with about like three minutes to go uh, he gets tied up with Miles Turner under the basket. I thought it was a pretty. I thought the call should have been on Turner. It was a pretty. It uh, looked like a pretty decent hold on Turner's part, but uh, they call it on Jokic. Uh, Jokic just kind of goes ballistic, and and fires off some some choice words there to Tony Brothers, and that can, of course gets him a t, uh, which he just then decides to. Okay, I'm just gonna keep going, uh, which gets him another t, and he and he's out of the game. I mean. Mark, for me, it was it was really disappointing uh, to see that because Jokic just is he's just he's got to be better than that. He can't he cannot do that. He can't put his team into that position uh, in a game like this. What were your thoughts? I mean, are you are you okay with it? Was is just like a a moment? You think it was just a uh, you know a momentary just loss of judgment because he was he was so heated, or or do you think it's uh, there's
1: you know there's more to it than that? So, I mean, I think in the long run, um, I'm not too worried about it just because the Nuggets got away with the win. It might be a good lesson for him to learn, but I don't disagree at all that in the moment it was completely unacceptable. I mean, I get it. I was also screaming at Tony Brothers uh, repeatedly (laughs) in my living room, so I understand his frustration. Um, I think I've talked on this podcast before about my dislike of Tony Brothers and his style of refereeing, but... The fact is, I agree with you. I think it was probably a foul on Miles Turner. I could also see it being a Um, no-call. I even understand him being pissed and kind of yelling after the call and taking that first technical. I mean, in a close game, he shouldn't have, but everybody loses their cool sometimes. But to keep yelling at a guy that you know has a quick trigger, like Tony Brothers, when it's a close game, you just picked up a technical, you know one more gets you tossed, and just situational awareness, he knows Mason Plumlee has five fouls. So it's not right. even a situation where you know there's a minute left and Plumlee's just going to come in and finish the game for him. There's plenty of time in a close game where the Nuggets could have and did end up not having any center and to close out the game. And if that had gone to overtime, I think the Nuggets are hosed. Yeah, that's.
0: I mean, that's a great point. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, if they go into overtime, there they uh, they are going to be really really struggling because Juancho Hernan Gomez was struggling. Uh, throughout the game, when when he was playing, I mean, uh, Demontis Sabonis was just just overpowering him, uh, particularly in the post, and it was uh, it was really hurting Denver. So you you basically you have no choice though; you'd have to basically play Wancho. Apparently, Trey Lyles uh, was available. He came in there in the last like thirty seconds or something like that, which was kind of weird. Uh, but so you'd have to have play at least one of those two guys, and and you know clearly um, <clears throat> that put them at a big disadvantage. Uh, especially when you got you know got Miles Turner in and Sabonis, those are two two very difficult guys to defend with Millsap and and, and Wancho. So uh, that's a great point. I didn't even think about that. You're you're right too that it's almost like I, I hope though it doesn't go to the wayside because they won. Like it, it, I hope he does like learn from that because the thing that really gets me about it is, is as what you said that second technical you kind of understand the first like yeah you don't want that to happen but but in the moment we know jokic is is a guy who's gonna say stuff to the refs when he disagrees with a call right uh, and you get you get that that happens but but you know the thing is, is, is is Jokic got got teed up because he was dropping f bombs to Tony Brothers. You can't follow it up with another one. Like you just got teed up because you you were dropping an f bomb to him. You can't just immediately just be like, yep, here we go. Let me let me say it again to you. I mean, you know what you're doing at that point. You know you know you're going to get ejected, and and it's and it's unacceptable even in the heat of the moment for him to do that. It's it's unacceptable for a lot of players to do it just because it's a four point swing. Uh, Which was when they're up by what? They're I think they were up by seven. So it was it made it immediately made it a one possession game. That's that's a a bad look no matter who you are. But for the star player of the team to not only allow them to get within three points because he lost his cool, but also take himself out of the game like you it it just can't happen. And it mm, it, it's it's frustrating. And 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 thankfully they got the win. So you know it's it, it it would it's not it didn't hurt them. Uh, but it's just it's just frustrating to see that from Jokic because we know he has a history of of making poor decisions with the referees and 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 to that one I think is is one of the poorest I've seen him make uh, probably uh, probably in his career. Well, and
1: this was certainly um, a tough game. Referee wise for him, but and I mean, maybe people disagree with me, but I frankly think that we've seen him getting more star calls and getting more calls this year. And I think the refs are paying a little more attention. I think big men in the NBA always get beat up. So there's always going to be a degree of him getting hacked on putbacks and things like that. But I mean, he plays to the refs a lot. He talks to the refs a lot. I think generally he's gotten decent calls this year, although some games have been pretty rough. And so to just completely lose it like this in a time where the Nuggets really couldn't afford to lose him when they had five foul Plumlee and then like you said a one possession game, I, I, I agree it was just extremely frustrating to see.
0: Well, well, like we said, I mean it's uh on the lucky on the lucky side at least they do they do get the win. It's it's another tight one. Bogdanovich has that shot. Uh, it was a good look. I mean he he definitely. Uh, had had a good shot it's interesting that because the, you know they went with the classic strategy there uh to if you're the road team and you're down by two uh with the final shot you shoot a three because if you're you're on the road you figure you, your best chance to win is right then rather than overtime but it's interesting because when you bring up the point they wouldn't nuggets wouldn't have had plumley or Jokic. you almost wonder if maybe uh in that scenario you don't you don't actually go for the two and actually play it out uh just then see if you can win because of the mismatch. I. I wonder how much thought it would have would have been an, uh, an interesting question to ask Nate McMillan after the game. But I mean, so you look at these, you look at this game. They they, they survive uh, against Indiana. They let them back in. You look at the game against Dallas. Kind of a different scenario. But Dallas, here's a team who didn't even make it into the into Denver until uh, that morning, right? They couldn't fly in because of the the bomb cyclone. Uh, they couldn't fly in until. Um, like I think I didn't, they didn't land to like eleven or something uh, like that, and so you know you, you I, it's almost like the Nuggets overlooked them uh, from the get go, and and it caught them off guard. And then luckily uh, they they survived that one. In that case, Jokic uh, outstanding down the stretch there with that with that buzzer beater. Uh, when you look at these two games, Mark, I mean both games, they the Nuggets should be favored to win, and they do that. But do you? Um, are you I guess are you concerned that that they they kind of they it was more of like a survival than an actual you know victory and or, or do you just look at it as a, it's a double W they chalked up you know two more and they're three0 on the on the home stand you're happy with that and you just you go into this road trip and look at, look at what you got to do there
1: so I think ultimately it's it's the latter for me I think that when you look at it it's a three game homestand they won three games this is a tough part of the season where everyone's looking forward to the playoffs and I was listening to, I think it was either the Zach Lowe podcast or the Bill Simmons podcast with Ryan Russillo, and they were just saying that you know, smart people have told them that this time of the season, it doesn't even matter what happens in the game. All you have to look at is wins or losses, um, and I think right. that makes sense. The only thing that does scare me a little bit is both in the Dallas game and now this Pacers game. When it came down to the last possessions, um, in Dallas – Gary Harris was on Luka Doncic and Plumlee started to cheat over. And I saw, I was live watching this and I didn't get to rewatch it. So maybe Mm -hmm. I was seeing things wrong, but it looked like to me, Plumlee cheated over to help. Gary thought it was a rotation. And so he headed to guard somebody on the perimeter, which just gave Doncic an open lane to a dunk. Here in this game, um, Gary again is on ball. And then there's a pick that he gets through. And again, Barton is somewhat then double teaming. Gary has to rotate over away from the person on ball, which gave Bogdanovich a second. Um, So, I mean, in the end, a win is a win. I'd rather the Nuggets were playing better. But I do hope there's some kind of film study because in the playoffs, if that's James Harden with the ball instead of Luka Doncic, who did end up scoring... Um, right. I just think that they need to know whether or not that's a switch and how much people are helping over. Cause it seems like that's twice on perimeter defense defense in the waning seconds that the nuggets just really, I-, I guess, just didn't understand the rotation or the coverage and let people get a much better look than they should have. Luckily in this game, Barton was able to close out, but Bogdanovich still had more space than I certainly would have liked him to have.
0: Yeah, I definitely know. Like I said, I thought he got a good look. Uh, on that final shot I'm, I'm with you certainly to a point because like you said i mean it, it's down the stretch you just take the w's right every every win is one more that you've cashed in the bank that keeps you ahead of houston and oklahoma city and portland uh, in terms of the two seed keeps you right there neck and neck uh with golden state so you 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 try not to, to dwell on it i think too much but i do i guess i do it does concern me i guess uh, somewhat from a i don't know if you want to say from a maybe a mentality standpoint the, the nuggets look fatigued not necessarily physically fatigued they look mentally fatigued right now and it, it looks like they're you know they're they're allowing these kind of and like you kind of talked about on on defense there with with Gary Harris uh, these kind of lapses uh in in games and it's it's giving teams you know you looked at how dallas uh got out in front really quick you look how indiana got out in front really quick and they're able to you know they're able to make up for it because they're playing at home uh they're they're certainly a more higher better team than dallas Uh, indiana's a quality team but you got to take the nuggets uh i think uh, certainly like i said at their home court there so you know you're you're surviving these games you're about now to go on to this big road trip you've got four of of your seven next games that are on the road uh, are going to be against teams who are in the playoffs including this team indiana again you're also going to have you know houston oklahoma city and golden state those are all really tough games those are the type of games you you need to to grab the, those wins uh Especially against those three Western Conference teams who you're battling in the standings with right now, but those are teams that are not going to allow you to have these type of lapses and fall down by 18 points uh, and come back and win. So I think that's where my concern is. Is, is uh, I'm wondering if we're starting to see them kind of run out of juice uh, right here down the, the the stretch run and 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 how that affects them uh, in the seeding. Because I think they're fine once they get into the playoffs. But once they get into the playoffs, you know, then then you're just going on adrenaline. Uh, but but I, I just worry that that they could get they're gonna get I'm not, or I should say, I'm not as confident as I thought I would be going into a road trip when they were three uh, and on the home stand.
1: Yeah, I, I totally understand that. I mean, I if you had told me they were gonna go three and0 here, I think I would have felt better about it as well. Um, but the upcoming, not even just the upcoming stretch you talked about, where I think it's you know the next five or six games. Really, if you look at the next, I think there's 14 left. Um, They've got Golden State. They've got Houston. I think they've got Portland twice, San Antonio. I mean, outside of, I think, the Knicks and a couple games against the Wizards, it's it's a pretty tough stretch. And they put a graphic up during the game today on altitude that I think the Nuggets have the third hardest strength of schedule left. Um, And it shows if you look at what's upcoming. And I don't think the Nuggets are going to get Golden State late enough that they will have shut it down, Um, maybe for that last game, but definitely not for the next one. Houston and Oklahoma City both have a lot to play for, so does Portland. Um, If they're tired now, that definitely worries me for what's coming up because I think the Nuggets are only somewhere around three or four games up out of the fifth seed right now. Um, and right. so, a tough stretch here really changes things for seedings, and I think everyone agrees that with the way the Nuggets play at home, home court advantage, at least in the first round, if not the first two, would be massive for this team.
0: We're yeah. or not. Or if, I mean, ultimately, you want to get it for all three, right? Like that's your that's your goal. And you, if you can, you know, if you can catch Golden State, then uh, then in secure home court for the entire playoffs, that would be, uh, I think, a massive uh, advantage for this team because it's hard to see them losing i can see them maybe dropping a game at home but but in the playoffs but I, I then you know i it's hard to see them you know losing multiple games in a series at home so uh basically you feel like if they get home court advantage then you know in most cases they should probably just be fine uh and, and if they start st- winning any games on the road then they're they're going to be setting themselves up really nicely uh, whereas if you've got you don't have home court advantage now you have to go out and win on the road um which we, you know, like I, said, I think they could do, but certainly not as not as easily as, uh, as if they had the home court advantage. So, I think I, 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 I'm with you. I, you want to you want to maintain uh, where you are in the standings, and you want to if if nothing you gotta you know you definitely don't want to fall into the fifth seed. That would be a disaster. Well, and the good thing uh, is I just
1: looked in. it looks like Portland and Oklahoma City lost today. Um, oh, Oklahoma City got killed by Golden State, so they did get a little bit of separation, which again is why even though it's been ugly, these wins have mattered. So it looks like they've got right. five games up on the fifth seed um, and three and a half games up on Houston in the third seed. So there is a bit of a cushion there, but this next upcoming schedule just really has me worried. Right? Yep, I'm
0: I'm with you. This is the this is the most crucial uh point of the schedule. I mean, I really think these this this upcoming road trip and, and it's a weird road trip too because there's they're going to play a game at home and i forget who it's against maybe washington um but it's like they're going to be they're going to be on what i think like a five-game road trip or something like that and then they're going to come home for one game uh, and then they're going to go back out on the road again so it's really like they're just it's not really uh, a, a stop to the road trip it's just that denver happens to be one stop in their
1: uh in their trip so it's um, right and then the two games after that are the houston and oklahoma city away games right so i mean that's right. that's Which, a tough way to end it
0: that's that's yeah that's kind of a and that's kind of a you point you circle that right there on the on the calendar and say okay this is where you make or break um you know uh, your season potentially because you're right i mean you look at it you got you so you got basically in the, if you're looking at just the loss column you know there are four up on houston there uh that's you're getting close, and five or so games from now, if you've played well, if you've gone three and two, you know, maybe you've given up one loss. Now you're three games up with nine to go. Suddenly it's really – it's it's going to be tough for these teams to pass you, uh, especially if you can get those wins. So uh, we'll see, man. It's it's going to be interesting. Like I said, I, I'm just not nearly as confident. Uh, but I guess to, to close up the conversation and close up first half of the show here, uh, is it still i mean how crucial is it mark do you think still that they got this 3-0 home stand cuz they were kind of in a bad spot uh, coming into this home stand so even though they they maybe didn't do it as pretty as they could have you know in my opinion it's still uh, it's still very it was is very very crucial for them to go 3-0 so so you take that uh, and and now that that momentum is hopefully what
1: pushes them forward you know through this next road trip I- completely agree i mean right like you said whether or not it was ugly or pretty a win was a win here um they've gotten some cushion on the three teams below them and maybe i mean they play portland twice back to back on a road and home uh maybe you drop one of those now and it doesn't matter as much at the end of the season i mean you're buying yourself a little bit of a cushion so games like this that you should win especially at home um could have been really bad losses, but this helps give them a little bit of breathing room for these upcoming tough games. So I, mean, I don't think we can overstate how important it is that they got these wins and maintain their position and are only a game back from the one seed right now.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, you get a little help um, <clears throat> from Oklahoma City, like you said, in Portland. But uh, for the most part, these teams have been been staying right with the Nuggets while they've been winning. So if they had lost any of these, uh, suddenly you would really, I think – uh, you wouldn't be nearly as confident in the in in them getting the two seed uh as as maybe we are right now going into this i mean what do you if you look at like this mark uh, i guess now what's what's more likely in your eyes is it more likely that the nuggets fall back to the three seed or is it more likely that they catch the warriors and get the one seed
1: of those two i'd say the three seed is more likely i think that the Warriors seem to be turning it on when they need to. They had a bit of a bad stretch there, but they just beat Houston. They just crushed the Nuggets. They just destroyed Oklahoma City tonight. So it looks like they're either getting things figured out or starting to take it a little more seriously. Um, And unless they have serious injuries, I think it's until somebody can prove them wrong, I think they're the prohibitive favorite. And so I'm not going to bet against people catching them when they've been the one seed for so long now since they took it from the Nuggets. Um, meanwhile, Houston's three back They're three and three and a half back from the Nuggets. They're nine and one in their last 10. Um, they really haven't slowed down since that bad start right. to the season. So I, I don't think it's a little, I don't, I don't think it's unreasonable to think that the Nuggets fall to the three, even though I'm very much hoping that's not the case.
0: Yeah, it would be, uh, it would certainly be nicer for, for Denver, um, to maintain that two seed. I really want them to catch the one seed. There's so many reasons for them to want to get, uh to the one seed for first and foremost uh they've never done it in in their nba uh history the last time the nuggets were a one seed it was in the, the last season they were in the aba so uh that would be kind of a cool thing is something for this team to accomplish that, that they can say no other team uh in nuggets history has done there uh they would by catching it looks like in all likelihood uh, and, and things could change, which is funny, but it, it just feels like Houston is definitely going to either land in the two or three. Right. Um, and, and so, so that means if the nuggets are the two or three, they're going to, uh, obviously that would set them up for a second round matchup, um, with Golden State. it also feels like LA is pretty much, the Clippers are pretty much going to slot in, uh, they in the number eight seed, which I think is by far everybody's choice, top choice for who you'd want to play in the first round, uh, if you're the nuggets. Right. So, if you can catch Golden State, then you also get that. Like it's like, but uh, and, and they're only one game back, so I'm still holding out hope, man. I'm still holding out hope that they can uh, that they can catch Golden State here and uh, get that and make basically have everything that they want uh, fall right into their uh, right into their lap and line up for them. So um, we'll see. Is it more likely though? I don't know. It's it's funny because like like you said, they're only one game back uh, and they're they're three and a half up on. On Houston, but you just feel like, and you feel like Golden State, like you said, they're just put turning it on uh, right now and making sure that they uh, they secure this. But funny thing is, they're five and five in their last ten. Right, so.
1: and they're hard to predict. Yeah. I mean, Kevin uh, Durant rolled his ankle against I think Phoenix um, and was out yeah. for a game or two, and they ended up beating Houston anyway without him. But. I mean maybe because of stuff like that they decide to shut it down and just be ready for the playoffs. I think they're pretty confident and maybe don't feel like they need the one seed. So even though they're turning it on right. against good teams right now, I mean who knows? Maybe they shut it down 3 games from now.
0: Yeah. that's uh it's a good point. We can we can only hope. So <laughs> um all right. Well, I tell you what. We will uh we will now go ahead. We're going to hit a break. When we come back. We will uh, we'll look forward to what's coming up for the Nuggets, which is, I guess, we'll we, we will wrap up that Boston game uh, that's happening on Monday and then uh, look forward to the end of the, uh, the continue of this road trip uh, for the Nuggets as they end out of the week. But for right now, we're going to let Mr. Mark Grimaldi go. So, Mark, appreciate it as always, sir. Yep, yeah,
1: thanks again for having me. It was fun.
0: All right, everybody, stick around. We'll be right back. funded show. It's me, gosh, with It is, it's almost like a week later after since when I talked, um, to Mark last, it's kind of funny. I was planning on, I've actually already recorded the second half of the show once. And then I, uh, I ended up having to go to Phoenix for a conference all week. Uh, and it was just trying to get it ed- edited the podcast and everything. And then this conference turned out to be really intense, like 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. every single day. Um, so basically I just haven't had a chance and so I'm gonna scrap that entire second half of the show because I was like yeah we, we can talk about some other stuff now um, I did want to keep this stuff with Mark though because I thought it was well you know it it's good conversation and obviously anytime I ask a guest to come on I don't want their efforts to be for naught so hopefully you guys still enjoyed that even though it was a little dated I wanted to touch base real quick on one thing in there um, in that first half of the show, which was, of course, the Nikola Jokic ejection, because, man, we haven't had a good-fashioned, uh, good old-fashioned flame war on the, uh, comments section in a while, but you guys were rankled by the fact that I said that, I, uh, you know, that Nikola, needs to be better, I guess, than, than the, the way his reaction was, um, to that, and I, so I guess, just real quick, I don't want to spend too much more time on it, but, uh, to touch you know I think to touch on that a little bit more because now you know when me and Mark recorded we did that exactly right after the game had ended so it was um, you know I hadn't had a chance to kind of see your guys reaction and, and see your arguments uh, to the contrary and so I just want to address it real quick um, you know I think the main thing people people are obviously because they, they think that in some way that I'm blaming uh, Nicola for what happened and, and in a way I am like I like I said he's got to be better than that uh, he's got to know that he can't put his team in that type of position. Uh, but I, but I, what I wanted to clear up is, is that I totally, am, am with everyone, I'm not defending Tony Brothers uh, in any way, I, I will say this. I mean, I think pretty much every single um, official in the NBA is going to eject Nikola uh, regardless of, of any history they have. You, you throw three straight F-bombs um, at a ref, when you're two feet away from him, looking him dead in the eye, I mean, it's it, it's a, chances are at least very likely you're gonna get ejected. Some people will bring up, well, Draymond Green does this all the time. And I'm like, ah, if you guys can show me, I mean, I haven't seen anything, but if you can show me some video of him, you know, standing five feet from a ref or closer, looking him dead in the eye and telling him to F off three times in a row, um, then maybe, I, I mean, you might have a point uh, I still think that that would be the anomaly, and what happened with Nicola would still be um, the standard. So I don't know if I would look at it uh, any differently, if, even if I were to see that. The thing that I think. Um, that got lost though was like yeah I thought Tony Brothers was awful and I said that in my recap you know I, th- I called it a questionable call uh, at best and a, uh, probably a, a foul on Turner looking at it more it could have been either way I think it was a kind of a 50-50 scenario but certainly uh, I probably would have let it go or, or still probably would have called the foul um, on Turner I still felt, felt it was more more a foul on him uh, than anything but I probably would have just let it go like and so I get that the frustration and this is this has been going on obviously it was going on throughout the game it was going on um, for several games uh, before this specifically with Tony Brothers so he is of course I think Jason Kosminski, uh pointed this out that Nicole Jokic has been ejected three times in his career all times by Tony Brothers um, that's that's you know three times is a trend right that's what we say so you know, I, I get all that, and but but I think there's also an argument to be made that like you should know this, right? You should know Tony Brothers doesn't like you. You should know that he's going to officiate you harder, and you've got to put that into your strategy on how you're going to approach the game and how you're going to approach how you're Because as much as it as as it you know as it sucks sometimes that this is the way the NBA is, it is the way the NBA is, and you have to be better or be smarter than that and not fall into Tony brothers game I mean look in the ideal world even in a less than ideal world uh, we we would not have to worry about the game uh, playing the game with the rest but we know this I mean we, we've known this anybody's who been watching the NBA for any period of time knows this is the way it works it sucks yes but it is what it is so you have to you have to uh, take that into account and, 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 and that's the point I think about when I was trying to make about Nicola being better is he's got to understand that. He's got to understand the relationship he has with Tony Brothers. And, and I think he does. And I think he understood when he threw three F-bombs at him exactly what he was doing, that he was going to get kicked out. I think, you know, I especially believe that because he throws the first F-bomb, gets the first tech, and then just doubles and triples down on it immediately. You know, if that, if that first tech doesn't cause him to at least take a step a moment and be like hold on i'm about to get thrown out here if he just fires it back in it kind of indicates that uh it's hard with i don't want to get caught up in the the semantics here i I, because it it somewhat indicates that he doesn't care but i i want to let me let me clarify that because i do think he greatly cares um, about the success of his team about not putting his teammates in that position i think he got caught in the moment like so many of us do and he didn't really think through the impact in that moment of what he was doing. He just was doing what he wanted to do. I think that's the case. You now some people are like, "Oh, you're 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 claiming that Nicola was you know intentionally sabotaging his team." No, of course not. That 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 is ridiculous uh, to think. But what the point that I'm making is that I think Nicola was very clear. Uh, in his understanding that he was going to get ejected by continuing uh, to yell at Tony Brothers, and with the, the the problem was it was that he wasn't clear headed enough to understand the impact that that was going to have. So you know he was very very much in that moment right then and there. And and so it's not about sabotaging his team; it's just not having um, the mental and emotional maturity to to be able to pull back what uh, that anger that he had in order to do what was best for his team and and I think you know that's that's something that's very common with people you know in their young 20s it's it's something that's common with people of all ages but it's certainly more I think with younger people because they haven't been burned uh, enough times by by those heat of the moment decisions um, that they haven't kind of gained that perspective yet. To, to understand like, hey, and, and to have that maturity to be able to dial it back down, even when you're enraged uh, by someone like Tony Brothers, which like I said, I, I, I understand totally that why Jokic was upset and I, I get that. He, I think he's just got to grow um, as a player, as a person and, and be able to understand the bigger picture in the moment and be able to pull it back when he needs to pull it back, which come on, I mean, three minutes left in the game Plumbly with five pounds, all the things me and Mark talked about. Uh, he's got to be able to pull that back. That's 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 absolutely uh, the right move to make in that scenario. So that's that's I think all I want to spend on it. But uh, just to kind of clarify that a little bit, since now I've seen you guys, um, the way you talked uh, or not, or the way you responded to to those thoughts, I felt maybe I should uh, better, you know, in in the, in the recap, I had about a paragraph worth, and that was it. So I wanted to maybe define it a little better for you guys there. Um. Moving on, let's let's move on to some more uh, pleasant things. Obviously, we had that Celtics game. Me and Mark were recording even before the Celtics game. Nuggets got the win. I mean, Jokic, give him credit there, right? He bounces back, bounces back big time. Uh, had just a masterful masterful performance. We were talking about it in our in our Stiffs chat um, between the other writers. That that you know, it, it's kind of funny. Is like it doesn't seem like it's that gaudy of numbers, but when you actually step back and look at it, it, it really is. And and when you consider the way he did it, I mean, I. I can't remember a game uh, that had more of just, like, Jokic-type passes, right? Those passes where he just threads a needle... uh that, that almost nobody else would even try to thread uh, and he drops it in there perfectly and, and then the no looks you know the con, that court awareness that he's so good at and being able to uh, see things happening before they even happen so that he can use his eyes to fake out the defense because he already has figured out where Gary Harris or Will Barton is gonna be three seconds from now and that's where he's actually gonna throw the ball you know so he has got the time to make that to put in that foolery if you will um, just a great collection of all that stuff from Jokic. He hit those big threes um, down the stretch, which were which were I mean money. They were they were basically not quite the dagger. Obviously, the dagger was Millsap getting that four point play, but uh, not quite the dagger in the um, in the hearts. But very very much made it a a different type of approach at that point for the Celtics. Suddenly, they were in quickly into desperation mode because of the fact. Uh, that Jokic, those back-to-back threes, kind of put the, the lead far enough to where cl- the clock was now a factor uh, in the game. So just an all-around excellent game by Jokic. You know, people, it's funny, I heard some people say, oh, Will Barton didn't have a good game that night. I thought he actually had a great first half. He was he was fairly instrumental um, in in the run that they had there at the end of the first half. So I wouldn't, um, yeah, I wouldn't uh, say that he had a bad game. I thought he was pretty good. He obviously, obviously didn't have quite as strong of a second half uh, as that you hope, but that's, um that's just the way it goes i suppose uh the other guy in there uh, of course paul millsap i mean we we have talked enough about how good paul millsap has been now for i mean really the better part of, of of the month of march now pretty much the entire month of march maybe even going back into a little bit into february you know it almost seems like that that all star break really really helped paul uh get that extra week of time you know he he'd obviously been back um been been putting his uh, bodies through the rigors of an NBA season, but we also saw, you know, hey, he um, he, uh, he was kind of slowing up there, you know, and, and we've been told, well, this foot injury, this toe injury might be something he just has to deal with the entire season. I think getting that that week off at, at All-Star break, you know, allowed his body to recover a little bit, allowed hopefully his toe to recover a little bit. You know, I think he had some ankle issues going on as well, and, and really, got him feeling good physically and I think we can see it right now obviously Paul more than anybody understands the importance of these stretch run games um and and the importance of stepping up your game and he's been uh, just fantastic uh at doing that so um really 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 great and then of course he has that he has the four-point play to to win the game against against the Boston Celtics which was uh which was outstanding and just kind of a um you know a, a really kind of a key moment, I think, for the season for, for, for Paul, because it, it just really, to me, it really highlighted, okay, here's here's why we paid this guy so much money, right? And and, and the game before that as well, because when you think about those three minutes after Jokic goes out, um, Paul Millsap is basically the guy they turn to, to carry them down the stretch. So, uh, outstanding play by Paul, outstanding um, just all-around game that he's had for the past month or so, and really exciting to see that happening it's really exciting right now to see the nuggets are kind of starting to get to fire on all cylinders we've been waiting uh adam mars had a good um article on this you know we've been waiting two years essentially to see this team finally be firing on all cylinders and have everything going what's funny is we 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 actually aren't even seeing it right now because the Nuggets still have michael porter jr uh sitting on their bench which you have to assume is part of their long-term core uh so it's kind of interesting that we really aren't quite there but we are seeing, obviously, you know, even MPJ, even though he's as dynamic of a, of a player as he can be, you know, rookies. Obviously, you don't you don't want them to have to make an impact on your team if they are. That either means you were really bad. Um, last season or this season one of the two uh so you you really the group that they've got right now is the group i think that they always kind of you know figured this is this is the group we're going with for for the for now and for the immediate future and, and we just haven't had a chance to see it because of injuries for one reason or another but now you know everybody's healthy gary harris is reintegrated will barton is reintegrated uh paul Millsap is reintegrated it feels like this team has finally found their footing with all of their talented players in place. Um, you know, Gary Harris has been outstanding these past couple of games. He, I think, probably struggled getting reintegrated back into uh, the offense more more so than than anyone. We also know he's got a core injury, which is another one of those ones you don't know. I mean, can you really? Uh, Heal during the season or do you just kind of have to manage the pain so you wonder if that's going on But he's looked great and and he's been a huge part of, of these past couple of games So it's exciting to see this team put it all together and see what they can do They can go into Boston a very good team in their own right a very tough place to play uh, and they can win that basketball game and and honestly win it fairly I mean it got close there at the end, but it, it kind of felt like a game. That they they fairly well had control of you know for the majority of the uh, of the game so it, it, It's it's just very interesting to see that this team is you know you start to want to really what level can they achieve if they're all um if they're all playing at their best and they're all healthy now, of course we've seen them <clears throat> play the Warriors the past couple of times and just get housed. So we're not sure if they're quite there in terms of a championship contending team. But at some point, I think we're gonna have to start having that conversation, right? I mean, if the Nuggets end up as a top two seed in the West, they've been a top two seed in the West the entire year long. If they have some playoff, you know, success, I mean, say they so say they win the first round series, they, they lose a the second round series. Do you at that point call them a? Championship contender for next season because you you essentially you assume have this entire roster back I mean the guys who are the expiring contracts next year are Lyles Leiden and Isaiah Thomas uh, None of those guys are really part of your rotation anymore. Obviously Paul Millsap has a team option So you can bring him back uh, if you want. I've got some thoughts on that too We'll save it for another pod, but um, got some thoughts on what they should do with Paul Millsap's contract situation this offseason but you know you can obviously bring him back uh, one way or another so you you've got this team here and they're they're I mean they're they're gonna be set again for next year. So if we saw everything that they could do this year while they dealt with all the injuries and they stayed in the top of the Western Conference, and let's say they go in and they win a playoff series, you know, they don't get beat in the first round, essentially, is basically I think after that point you, I think you kind of have to start looking at them next season as a championship contender. Obviously, it's a weird situation right now in the NBA. Because you have the Golden State Warriors who are clearly head and shoulders above everyone else. But the, the Golden State Warriors can look very different next season. You know, you got you got Kevin Durant and Klay Thompson, both both um, going to be free agents. You know, we already know, basically. I mean, we don't know. But anybody who's being realistic knows that the Knicks are going to make a hard push um for, for Kevin Durant and, and you know if they were to strike out there who's to say they won't go after a guy like a Clay Thompson same with the Lakers if they can't land a Kevin Durant or a uh, Kawhi Leonard or, or you know something like that do they go after um, a guy like Clay Thompson he's gonna have some opportunities there to get paid where he might not have that opportunity as well uh, in Golden State just because you've got to wonder how, how Golden State how long are they going to continue to want to pay um, absurd luxury tax payments. So, it's it's potential that the Warriors are not nearly the same team that they were this year or these past couple of seasons. And obviously, you know, let's say they get one of the two back. Let's say Clay comes back, Kevin goes. Uh, you know, obviously, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green. That that group has won a Finals before uh, and came very close to winning a second. So. They're still going to absolutely be a contender, but I don't know that you look at them as so overwhelmingly unbeatable that you just kind of put them in a tier all by themselves at the top of the NBA. And, and and so if they lose some of these guys and the Nuggets do what we talked about, I mean, how do you not how do you not go into next season saying yes, this is this is a championship contending team, especially if they've got Michael Porter Jr. back and he's coming anywhere close to what uh, what he's capable and everything we're hearing about what the coaches say and, and whatnot, which of course you take with a grain of salt, but I mean, I just don't see how, how you couldn't how you couldn't look at this team um, any other way. All right, so here to we'll close out the show, we will actually we'll get to the the game that's going to happen tonight. Uh, the Washington Wizards the Nuggets are going to be playing the Wizards in Washington. They've been in DC, I believe, now two days. I think they uh, they stayed in Boston after that game and then flew out the next morning. So they've been in DC. Uh, they, they should be well rested, and which is going to help because of course they have that back to back with the uh, Knicks tomorrow, I, uh, you know, I, I, I look at this team and I look at uh, what they've been able to do, the Nuggets so far on that, on the homestand now into the road trip and it's all been really well and it was really needed for them to bounce back after they kind of struggled there uh, a couple weeks ago. But you have to finish it off, right? You have to finish off. Uh, sorry about that, didn't mean to have the old conference email me right there, um, but, uh, you know, you have to, you have to now come and take care of business in this back-to-back, it's a back-to-back, it's tough, it's an East Coast back-to-back, one of the games in New York, you know, these are these are not necessarily situations that set teams up for a win, but the Wizards and the Knicks are terrible, I mean, they're terrible, that's, that's, that's all there is to it, the Wizards have Bradley Beal, and that's pretty much what they're down to this season, you know, so this is a team you should easily, easily defeat. And and then the Knicks tomorrow, the Knicks are trying to tank. They're trying, they want Zion so bad, so bad, you know. So, like, how can they possibly, how can we possibly consider, you know, oh, well, the Knicks will, uh, you know, the Knicks could be a threat on the, on the back-to-back. They shouldn't be. They They should absolutely not be. They want to lose. So, you know, I think it comes down to, will the Nuggets approach the game with with the professionalism that they need to to win the game right because we've seen them do this in the past not so much this season but but we saw that against that Dallas game um just just last week like Mark and I were talking about you know that's a game they probably should have just ran away with you're playing an inferior team they because of crazy weather couldn't even get in until uh the day of the game they are going to be you know their whole schedule and routine and, and everybody knows professional athletes are like routine 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 so it should have been an easy win. They did not uh, make it easy. They did get the win though, so that, that I guess you know still counts. Um. But they gotta, they gotta, they gotta come to these two games and approach them with a, with a professionalism, with a uh, a consistency in the type of play that they've had all season, and get the win. That's that's I mean that's all there is to it. Washington is a, is a team who wants to score a bunch of points and can't defend anybody. That's fine. We can play that game, you know, and and <clears throat> our talent will overwhelmingly outpace their talent. So if they, we can beat Washington at their own game, or even better yet, we can force. Washington to play the Nuggets game which has been uh, a bit more uh, structured I would say this year a little more defensive focused and in, in, in he's really you know been kind of the calling card uh, of the team this year when they've been at their best it's because they're playing their best defense uh, and not just running up and down seeing who can score as many score the most points so they, they need to do that tonight they, they should do that and then they got followed up again tomorrow against New York obviously the back-to-back is tough but like we said New York is not any good. We got your old friend Emmanuel Moudie there. He's been better this season. He's still really not that great. You know, there's not a ton of there's not is there anything on the Knicks that really scares anybody? I don't think there is. I mean, you know, they the Knicks at the trade deadline made it very clear what they're trying to do, which is they are preparing for next season. So, um I don't think there's there's anybody on that roster that really makes me worried. And that's why the Knicks have only won a single game in their like last freaking 15 or whatever it is. I mean, they've been awful, just absolutely awful uh, for the better part of, of a month. So you you go in there, you take care of business. The team's only won 14 games all season. Um, get it done, you know, uh, and and move on. Believe it or not, do you know Emmanuel Moutier leads the team in, in points per game, assists per game, and field goal percentage? <sighs> <laughs> He leads the team in field goal percentage at forty-five percent. Yikes! Um, all right. Well, I'll tell you what, guys. I think we'll we'll go ahead and wrap it right there. Sorry about the delay. I you know I, I maybe thought about putting this out yesterday, but we had Nuggets numbers going. I didn't want to steal Ryan's thunder. Now I'm trying to get it out before full court press tomorrow. Uh, make sure you guys are checking that out. Uh, like I said, good good conversation there with Mark Grimaldi. Uh, your best place to find him is in the comments section. Uh, the easiest way to find him is to start another flame war. But as I think. Uh, you might find that that doesn't usually work out well for you uh, in terms of being active on our site so uh, you know always a good, good spot though Mark's usually active in the comments in the game threads you can find him there and he'll um, be happy to share his his thoughts with you there you can always find me on, Insta- or not on Instagram you can not find me on Instagram you can find me on Twitter at Zach Nikosh uh, very simple also follow the show at Pickaxe Pundits at Denver Stiffs it's all Right there in the name. Make sure you're over on Instagram following the site, not me because I'm not there, but the site at the Denver Stiffs. Um, and by the way, if anybody by chance is listening to this and they own the at Denver Stiffs Instagram handle, like give it up. Come on, come on. What are you using it for, really? Uh, just give it to us. And. Uh, <laughs> Make sure you guys are following us on YouTube, uh, subscribing there. You can get all the post game, pre game press conferences uh, for home games, uh, some cool videos as well. And where else are we on? On Facebook. Follow us, like us there. And of course, as always, subscribe to this podcast channel where you can get Nuggets, Numbers, Full Court Press, and The Dig, along with Pickaxe Pundits. Um, basically, you're going to get at least two, if not three, shows a week. Great Nuggets breakdowns. Uh, and just, you know, we're really proud of the network and what, what we've done because it's it very four unique shows, I think, four shows that um, can completely uh, cover the Nuggets, but but from a different perspective. And it's been uh, really big, been nice. Shout out to uh, the Wyndham Phoenix Hotel staff for not interrupting my podcast here. I think they might be in the room next to me, though. So we are going to wrap this up and let them do their work. So we will talk to everybody. I normally would say we talk to you in next week, but we will talk to you in four days.